Hope everybody is doing fine. Happy New Year, whoever is celebrating New Year. Happy New Year, Tamil Puttandu Vaitikai. Tamil, we also have Baisakhi also. Baisakhi also, right? Baisakhi and then, oh yeah. More than five states we are celebrating New Year today. Yes. Rajasthan. Oh, yeah, Vishu also is there. Yeah, Malayalam. It's Malayalam, they call Vishu. So, Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Punjab, Rajasthan, and Bengal. I know that they are celebrating the same day, April 14th. So, may we all continue to progress on the path and May we all have, hopefully, a spiritual new year ahead, in spite of all the challenges. So, welcome again. So, today we are going to start from Sloka 51. So, this is the fourth section of the Bhakti Sutra. We have total five sections. So, let us start. So, let us recite the Sloka 51. Anirvachaniyam Anirvachaniyam Premaswarupam Premaswarupam Yes. So, in this section, Naraji is describing the ultimate love, divine love. He is describing Siddha Bhakti. That is the fourth section, primarily about that. So in this Loka Naraji is saying, the inherent nature of divine love cannot be described or defined. It can only be realized. See, previously we had discussed how God cannot be explained. God cannot be theorized. God can only be realized. Just like that, this love, ultimate love is love for God. So just like how we cannot describe God, we cannot truly describe this divine love. It can only be realized. The point is, what Naraji is also saying is, both Bhagavan and Bhagavan's love, they are both infinite. They are both boundless. So we cannot try to put words and define that which is boundless. See, if you think about it, explanation what we are so we are very proud of the ability to intellectualize the ability to define things you know people say explain it to me that's the first question people say right whenever you are talking about a new concept but we have to understand that you know even simple things that our senses take for granted even that we cannot truly describe do you know that if you think about it let us say someone was born blind. They have never seen light in their entire life. And now they are like a little grown up. Now you have to explain sunlight to them. How will you explain? Think about it. How will you explain sunlight to a person who was born blind? You can't. See, in normal circumstances, if I have to ask you, how do you define sunlight? You will say things like sunlight is 100 times brighter than moonlight or it is 1000 times brighter than a bulb. But this person does not understand light. 
this person is born blind now how are you going to explain sunlight to this person that is a limitation of our faculty of explanation when we can't explain even that which can be perceived by the senses <laughs> how can you try and explain that which is beyond the senses that is why they say we cannot explain we have to realize it i want to point out that there are different words in sanskrit when you want to say something is indescribable there are different words words like avyakta avarnya nirupakya vagare vagare there are so many different words you can use but naraji chose the word anirvachaniya that's very interesting because this word can also be used to describe a person who cannot talk anirvachaniya vachan is talking so in other words if a person similarly if a person doesn't have a tongue how do you explain taste to this person think about it <laughs> can you explain taste to somebody who doesn't have a tongue we can't our our faculties of explanation are limited we can't you know in other words similarly even simple things you know there is one guruji who gives the example of a kind of worm which takes birth in the trunk of a neem tree you know neem tree is known for being bitter so this worm is born in bitterness and it spends all his life in bitterness now try explaining sweet to this to this worm how would you explain you want to explain how is laddu how will you explain you can't so in the 11th chapter of the bhagavad gita where arjuna tries to comprehend the vishwarupa you remember vishwarupa darshanam so there is this shloka aneka bahudar vakra netram pashyami tvam sarvotanantarupam nantam na madhyam na punastavadim pashyami vishveshwara vishwarupa i see you with innumerable arms bellies mouths eyes having infinite forms all around oh lord of the universe your form is the universe itself i see no beginning no middle no end arjuna is trying to describe the universal form but he is falling he is he is at a loss of words so this chapter is indeed a significant depiction of krishna's endless and limitless nature now at the most arjuna can say that krishna your form is limitless that is the most he can say but arjuna still can't explain what limitless means <laughs> even for us we can at the most say it is infinite but try explaining infinity you can't so we have to understand that god's powers of course they are limitless and that's why we cannot fully describe them and so this you accept everybody raise your hands if you accept that god's powers are limitless there is no doubt there everybody acknowledge that god's powers are limitless okay now remember what krishna has said about ananya bhakti remember what he has said in the bhagavad gita 
Krishna said that this devotion, pure devotion, it is so powerful that even he comes under control of the devotee. Even he comes under control of such love. Now, just a minute ago, you all said God's powers are limitless. In other words, God is limitlessly powerful and yet he comes under the control of divine love. In other words, this divine love is then more powerful than the limitlessly powerful. And if we cannot describe or explain even that which is powerful, how can you explain this divine love which is more powerful than that? That is what Naraji is trying to say. He is saying, so this Siddha Bhakti, you cannot explain, you can only realize. Now you know Naraji was the guru of all gurus. He was Raja Rishi. He was, all the Rishis considered him to be the guru. So he was a great guy. So, Many of his students, they requested, they said, okay, we understand that this cannot be described, but can you at least give us some, you know, flavors, some, some attributes, something, give us something. So then Naraji goes on to try and provide some kind of explanation. But before starting to do that, he makes it very clear that this is all an attempt we cannot completely explain. It has to be experienced. Just like God. We all try to explain. We all try to say, God is like this, God is like that. But we know at the end, the true nature of God can only be realized. But that hunger for that realization comes when you have this partial understanding. Just like that, if you get an idea of what this divine love is, then our hunger for divine love will grow. That is the intent why Naraji is trying to Make an attempt to describe this divine love. So, Sloka 52 Mukha Swadhana Mukha Swadhana Vat Vat Which means like the taste enjoyed by the dumb person. Maybe now it becomes clear why Naraji chose the word Anirvachaniya in the previous sloka. He is setting a, you know, he is preparing his argument. Now in the second sloka, now he is clearly saying, like the dumb man's experience of delightful taste. Naraji says, this divine love is like the response of a dumb person. Now here we are not talking about a person who does not have a tongue. Here we are talking about a person who cannot speak. So Naraji says, when this person receives something sweet, however hard he tries, he cannot explain to you what he just tasted because he cannot speak. So if he cannot speak, what can he do? He can make sounds, noise. Try making any kind of gestures with your hand. You cannot explain sweetness, that sweetness that you have tasted. So he's saying it is so beautiful. So he's saying just like that dumb person cannot explain the sweet that he has just tasted. No matter how hard he tries. So there is a very interesting sloka in the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad. It says, Astulam anu ashraswam dirgam sanavayam sayat na chakusha 
गृह्यते नापी वाच नांतरा देवयतः दट विच इज नैदर ग्रॉस नॉर सटल नॉर शॉर्ट नॉर लॉन्ग cannot be grasped by the eyes nor can be expressed by the speech nor known by the senses look at how they are describing they can only describe it by what it is not <laughs> no because even arjuna that is how he was trying to describe the vishwarupa no end no beginning he can only say what was not there he couldn't say what was there <laughs> see so this is how even the upanishad is trying to describe brahman emphasizing that it is beyond the perception of the senses and grasp of the human speech it is how profound it is let us a shorter one so we can go to the next shloka shloka 53 prakashate prakashate kwapi patre kwapi patre prakashate means comes to express or is manifested ियलाइजेशन happens only in some very rare souls who have succeeded on the path of bhakti yoga so naraji is trying to motivate us he is not trying to intimidate us he he wants to motivate us he wants to say that uh, you have to strive to be the rarest of the rare because you have, you want to experience that which is rarest of the rare so as we discussed in the earlier verses one of the prerequisites to become eligible for god's grace is practicing selfless love for god practicing is the word we have to practice ananya bhakti we have to love god for the sake of god's happiness not for our own happiness you know some people like uh, i used, i asked one person why does he like to do this you know that karpur uh, in the morning and he told me that because he really likes the aroma of camphor so i didn't tell anything to him but basically when we are expressing love it should be for god's happiness not because it makes us happy because otherwise it becomes a bhakti of convenience because we are only going to do things that we find pleasant that is not how we practice selfless love because that is how we love others right we we love others based on what they can do for us how we can derive happiness whereas in bhakti yoga we have to practice selfless love selfless love basically means you are only saying how can it give happiness to god that's all you are worried about just like those gopis when krishna was going away from them away from vrindavan the gopis were not saying what will happen to us they knew they are going to be suffering they knew they are going to be sad but the gopis were like if this is going to make krishna happy then we are not going to stop him that is selfless love that kind of love we have to practice for god without attachment 
without expectation without thoughts for our own pleasures the one thing you have to keep in mind this is something i want to tell you like many times throughout our lives i'm giving a very practical analogy so that you can understand throughout our lives your friends or even you for that matter you means even i am included we are all we usually hesitate to express love why you know why is it so hard there is a when i was very young i might have been 12 13 years old i remember there was a quote that was in the newspaper indian express that quote was in bold there was a beautiful poster behind but that quote made me thinking and i think that quote made me a better person because that quote said dare to care and i didn't understand and i tried asking a few people but people didn't really have the explanation i i couldn't understand where is daring required why is daring required for caring i mean it didn't make sense to me but then i grew up with that quote and i i kind of understood what it means you have to it takes courage but the bigger question is why is expressing love so difficult it's because of the fear of rejection it is because of the fear of your expectations not being met it is because of the fear of the reaction not matching what you expected to be there are so many fears attached sometimes you will say oh otherwise that person will take me for granted otherwise this person will think me i am weak so million things we put we attach love itself is not the problem the problem is all these attachments to it you know when you don't have attachment you will have no sankoj you will have no hesitation to express love you will express love to anybody so the key point to keep in mind krishna kept saying in the bhagavad gita that lust is a challenge lust is a problem but what is lust lust doesn't just mean sexual attraction in the most fundamental aspect lust pretty much is love plus attachment when you mix love and attachment that becomes lust because the problem with lust is it makes your mind agitated it your makes your mind agitated it your mind then cannot be calm that is why that expectation becomes a problem so lust basically is love with attachment you love but remove the attachment then it becomes divine love there is nothing wrong in love the problem is only with the attachment so i am repeating this many times so that you can understand what naraji means by practicing divine love for god so you will say oh i to always say krishna i love you krishna i love you that is not necessarily divine love for god okay, the divine love for god has to be are we having love without any attachments it's it's not easy it's easy to say doing is totally different game but at least if we know this is what we are supposed to do slowly slowly we should practice practice it with 
people practice it with your parents practice it with whoever you can practice it it will come that is key that is why previously in the introduction also we said divine love is when we are not thinking about mukti or bhukti no mukti no bhukti <laughs> only bhakti then that is divine love now it is of course as you can imagine it's extremely rare it's extremely rare to reach this state for anybody very hard and it is written in many scriptures that it is the guru's job to help us reach that state by constant guidance and monitoring this is one of the jobs of a guru is guide coach monitor and make sure that the students understand what does selfless love mean once understanding comes the practice will start once the practice starts we will make progress and naraji also says that until we have it we do not truly have it but once we have it we will have it forever <laughs> yes yeah, such a beautiful way of putting things this is until you have it you do not truly have it you cannot have a little of it <laughs> you either have it or you don't have it and then he says but once you have it then it is yours forever you will never lose it <laughs> eternal and to reach this state a devotee has to surrender their material passion and desires to the infinite and when this surrender is complete the devotee merges with their love for god and then there is no more separation between the two that is when you truly unite with god that is the meaning of uniting with god is when that divine love manifests in your heart then you don't see a difference between you and god so that is aham brahmasmi that state when you have realized this divine love and you have realized that me and god are the same then till then you are in the mode of duality where you think you are separate god is separate so we i know this is very difficult we have said it is very difficult but the key is we should never stop trying we discussed earlier this spiritual progress it's like a long marathon it can span multiple lifetimes also you never know and you also don't know this could pretty well be the last lap of your marathon this lifetime you don't know but what we have to do is no don't stop running you don't know maybe this is your last lap and in this life your marathon you finished and winning the marathon basically means you finish it that is all you need to do correct so consistently wholeheartedly make the effort be consistent that's very important and krishna has also promised that if you are consistent your faith will keep increasing and the promise is once your faith is strong enough you will reach the highest spiritual state in the material world there is a saying big shots are just small shots who kept shooting <laughs> i really believe that the same thing holds true in the spiritual world as well it's not that only i mean you, you should not think that 
I am not capable of. That is only for Sadguru. That is only for Ramakrishna. It's not like that. They also kept shooting. That is how they became a big, big shot one day. Just like that, you keep shooting. What does it mean in bhakti? In spiritual practice, what does keep shooting mean? It just means be consistent. Keep shooting. Be consistent. And eventually you will succeed. Someone said, yeah, I think we can do the 54th sloka and then we can wrap it up. Let's do the sloka number 54. Guna Rahitam Guna Rahitam Kamana Rahitam Kamana Rahitam Pratikshana Vardhamanam Pratikshana Vardhamanam Avichinnam Avichinnam Sukshmataram Sukshmataram Anubhavarupam Anubhavarupam this is probably one of the longest slokas <laughs> in the Bhakti Sutra. So this sloka basically means Guna Rahitam means devoid of all attributes. Kamana Rahitam means without any desires whatsoever. Pratikshana Vartamanam growing every moment. Avichinnam unbroken, constant. Tukshmataram supremely subtle. Anubhavarupam of the nature of immediate experience. So it means this supreme love is devoid of attributes. Attributes means gunas. So this is nirguna, this supreme love. It is free from all selfish desire. It grows in intensity every moment. It is a continuous and consistent inner experience. Subtler than the subtlest. So the first aspect Naraji is calling out is the divine love is without any attributes. What does this mean? See, first of all, love itself, he's saying is without attributes. And secondly, if you see our love for anybody, this is these concepts are all very true and they are very deep. We just have to think, reflect upon them. They will make sense immediately. See, usually our love for anybody depends on certain qualities of the person, correct? Person or object. But we will say person because mostly that is a problematic love. Because the object never says it doesn't love, love you back, right? So, a person. So, for example, you will say, I love him because he is so strong and intelligent. I love him because he is so handsome. Or I love her because she is so beautiful. I love her because she has such a sweet voice. So on and so forth. The simple thing to keep in mind is in divine love, there is no because. So if somebody asks you, why do you love God? And you say, because, okay, stop it. That's not divine love. So if you can say, I love God for the sake of love, I just love God. There is no because. Then that is love without attribute. That is the purest, strongest love. See, why, why, why should love be without attributes? Any, any hints? Do you have any ideas? Why do you think love shouldn't depend on attributes? If we see something depending on something, then we cannot love the way we want to. Okay. Very true. Now, there are two aspects to it. First aspect is... Because it changes. Exactly. This is Prakriti. Because it changes, yeah. Doesn't matter which attribute you are 
attaching your love to that attribute will change it is not whether it will change it is not when it it will change guaranteed but because your love was attached to the attribute and the attribute changes your love change but divine love is supposed to be without attribute right that is the first aspect of it so can you practice that whenever you say you know <laughs> uh no, i don't want to get into it but in general if you if you feel disappointed with somebody and you catch yourself saying i loved you stop and ask yourself what are you saying you know it is not that person's fault because attributes they are bound to change it's it's nature so whatever you saw in that person you are not seeing today but that's nature that's natural <laughs> the problem is not that the problem is you are attached to that thing as if it is sat as if it is never going to change and now when it changed you are disappointed so the problem is with your side not with the person who is changing correct so but this is one of the most popular complaints people have you know i'm talking about change my laptop just went bl- blank so it also changed okay one of the most popular complaints is tum kitne badal gaye you have changed so much and we feel all sad are baba it is it is <laughs> law of prakriti the poor guy can't help it <laughs> change change is is going to change is designed to change Okay, so so the problem is we were attached to some aspect see this is the first reason why our love has to be without attributes the second reason is we just discussed the definition of lust because when your love is based on a because that is attachment you are attached to the person's strength you are attached to the person's intellect you are attached to the person's beauty you are attached to the person's body something so then that is not love that is lust if your love doesn't have any because only then you can say it is not lust see how hard it is but that is all that is required and if you can practice that then you will have no fear of love then you will have no worries about love love will not bother you you will be able to freely accept and express because that is divine love you really are not worried about attributes you are not worried about attachments you are not worried about reactions you are not worried about disappointments you see so if you can practice that start small but practice it consistently then you will know what this ananya bhakti divine love is i hope i am making sense so there is a i in my opinion i won't say it's my personal opinion is based on whatever i have read the teachings of many great saints and scholars is this is one of the main this is a very deep thing you know i think this has helped me although i'm not uh, yet totally god relished but i think i'm still better than what i was many years ago so i think this this would help so i think 
this is one of the many reasons or this is one of the main reasons why god puts us through various difficulties and trials because that is how he can help us practice divine love because if you can love god when things are not going the way you wanted them to go the otherwise it is a love based on attributes right you are going to say i will love god if i get my visa i will love god if i get a promotion i will love god if i get a bonus i will love god if my business does well if i, I will love god if my i mean i mean there are so many i mean poor guy i mean how many attributes we attach <laughs> to our love we have a full list laundry list of things that god has to fulfill in order to deserve our love you know but then that is not divine bhakti that is not pure love and naraji has said we have to practice it in order to get it so how do you practice it so god helps you practice it by sometimes not giving you what you want by sometimes putting you through tough situations if you can still love god that means you are practicing divine love so you have to be thankful that is the reason why some of these saints they used to say they are thankful to god for the hard times but we people in the material consciousness we think they are mad now how can somebody thank hard times how can somebody be thankful that they don't or they have so many troubles you see but that is you know in bhagavad gita krishna had said day of the saint is like night for material people and day of the material people is like night for the saints just like that we don't understand but this is the one of the fundamental reasons so this is how we practice divine love and the question you should ask why so much practice is important a practice practice kyu kar rahe why do we need so much practice you know let us say your goal is to win the world championship in wrestling or in boxing let us say that is your goal Now the way you are today, can you just go get in, into the fighting ring and start fighting? What will happen? Within five seconds, you will be knocked out or dead. But if that is your goal, then what you have to do? You have to start practicing, and you have to start building your strength. That is important. Only then you can reach that goal. Just like that, this divine love. is a very strong force so you you cannot handle it if you want to handle it you have to practice you have to build that inner strength chaitanya mahaprabhu was a 16th century saint and he was himself an incarnation of radha and krishna now chaitanya mahaprabhu is known for his deep love and devotion to lord krishna you all know that and his life and teachings they are described in the chaitanya charitamrita very beautiful text so chaitanya mahaprabhu's devotion to krishna was so intense that sometimes he would lose control of his body it is all documented he will go into a very weird state ecstatic state sometimes he will fall down sometimes he will collapse who are we talking about chaitanya mahaprabhu who is chaitanya mahaprabhu he is the incarnation of krishna and radha and even he couldn't all the time handle that divine love how do you think you and i are going to handle it that is the lesson here of course 
it's just another leela of krishna who wants humanity to understand the importance of divine love and how strong and intense it is and the need for purifying ourselves and preparing ourselves to receive that divine love but once we become capable god is more than happy to grace us with that divine love and once we receive that love it will never cease to flow from god it will only keep getting stronger and stronger and it will pervade every cell of our body so there is a statement in the chaitanya charitamrita maybe suchita ji may understand it it is in bengali uh, pardon my pronunciation i am reading the english transliteration of it it says kabu yadi ei premar koi ashroy tabe ei premanande anubhav hoy i don't know if i made any sense but the the translation says if i become the abode of that love only then i may taste its joy the exchange of love between god and god's pure devotee when we talk about that exchange the devotee is termed as ashraya and god is termed as vishaya so divine love is exchange between god and devotee now the devotee side they are calling us ashraya and the god side they are calling us vishaya so now krishna is referring to his dearest devotee that is shrimati radharani and this is very beautiful is very profound so krishna is now talking about radharani and he says although i enjoy her divine love for me i know that the enjoyment that radharani gets from this divine love is many times more <laughs> because the ashraya is a lot more because god is infinite we are not infinite so the experience we have when we receive that kind of love is a lot more profound than the experience that god has so krishna says i have to become the ashraya in order to experience this divine love even god says it has to be experienced <laughs> so god wanted to become that ashraya no and that is the reason why radharani and krishna together took the incarnation of chaitanya mahaprabhu so that is the incarnation the purpose was god himself wanted to experience divine love from the receiving side so although narad ji has tried to explain his divine love he also says that this divine love is anubhava roopam again he says although i am trying to tell you all this my dear devotees this divine love can only be experienced it cannot be explained i hope this all made sense hari krishna i think this is enough for today i can stop the recording and then open the floor